Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. Besides helping us to make shows like this possible, you'll get two magazines, including our legendary summer edition and a year of access to exclusive content on TexasFootball.com. That includes stuff like premium podcasts like Tep and Step, access to all 61 years of the magazine in our digital archives, recruiting analysis, and must-see insight from the Dave Campbell's Texas Football crew. If all of that sounds good to you, we hope you'll consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe that's texasfootball.com slash subscribe and thanks for listening the texas football today podcast is brought to you by chocolate milk built by nature you can watch texas football today live weekdays at noon at texasfootball.com and on facebook and if you like the show subscribe to the podcast vendor of your choice give us a positive rating and tell a friend Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it's Texas Football Today, a show on the internet. My name's Greg Tepper. I'm the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, a magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us, whether you're watching us live on texasfootball.com, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch, or you listen to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to. On the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I am sitting here, sitting over there at the helm today, making us sound good. She's the Duchess of the Dorks. When I walked into the studio, <laughs> she was listening on full blast. Not full blast. To the Monster Mash. <laughs> She's Ashley Pickle. Unironically, I should add. Okay, I... I turned on Spotify and had a there was a playlist called Halloween Party, so I was like, okay, cool, because it like the ones that it shows you at the top is like normal songs, like Lord just came on, you know, like different. La, 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 I am Lord. Yeah, different stuff like that. But then I realized they have a little bit of those like like uh, this is Halloween, the Nightmare Before Christmas song is the catchy or, songs. Yeah, hey, is hey, uh, hey, it's mixed hey, in there. Hey, this is Halloween. This show. Uh-huh. Will not slander the. Oh, uh, I know how much Nightmare Before Christmas. I know how much you love that movie. Nightmare Before Christmas. I know how much you love that it's movie. Brilliant. Um, but yes, Monster Mash is also drizzled in there, and so he happened to walk in and like literally, <laughs> I, I, like literally, like I'm, I'm I'm coming and coming and ask her. If we have like a sponsor element. I'm like, hey, pickle, do we have the? He did the mash. Like, <laughs> it was a graveyard smash. <laughs> Today is Tuesday, October 26, 2021. 30 days to Thanksgiving, folks. If this is if that needs to ring alarm bells in your in your head, then do it. Make it happen. Yeah, see Monster Mash is like the entrance into holiday season, which after we get past that, then it's Thanksgiving season. Some may argue it's Thanksgiving season now. Um 30 days to Thanksgiving. Do your part to to make it a great day. Happy birthday to Pat Sajak. Uh episode 1269. On today's show, my friends, we are going to recap the college football weekend. We're going to talk with the Hall of Famer Craig Way about all things Texas high school football. Uh, then we'll unveil the DCTF Top 10 Plays of the Week. Big time show here on a Tuesday. We're, some might say we're going up was, on a oh Tuesday. God, okay, good. I'm glad you did it because I was fixing to. Do it first, fourth, through the door. We sure do. It was Aaron Arbuckle, Rob Hadaway, Coach Terry Crawford, Ain't and no Habit Panthers. Tony Blaylock. Welcome in, fellas. Every time he's, every time he's, um, what stinks? Here's what's gonna stink. 
uh, is if like they shouldn't lose this week. They're no. the number three team in the state. They're pretty darn good. But like if they that, that bit's gonna be less fun if they if they if they lose. Yeah, the game. when you go the like, eight and one, nine, 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 they're not gonna lose. No. I'm, I'm confident in them. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that was a, anyway. Every time he's first four, keep winning, coach out. is yeah. what we're saying. Every time he does that, we're gonna say eight. Nope, Abbott Panthers. Uh, all right, pickle. Let's talk a little bit about our friends at First National Bank of Omaha. The Dave Campbell's Texas Football Impactful Leadership Award presented by First National Bank of Omaha will recognize 10 influential Texas high school football athletes who are leaders both on and off the playing field. Congratulations to Isaiah Smith. They call him Buddha. Buddha Smith there at Mesquite High School. He is this week's recipient of the Dave Campbell's Impactful Leadership Award presented by First National Bank of Omaha. Thank you, First National Bank of Omaha. Read more about what makes Isaiah a great leader at TexasFootball.com. Pickle, it was a full, full full-on week of college football sure was we asked some burning questions on thursday let's now close that loop and talk a little bit about the answers to those questions as we take a look back on week eight of the college football season where do we start pickle we start with the smu mustangs the question was is the mustangs pass defense their achilles heel and they want 55 to 26 over the green wave yeah and and i'm not I'm not particularly pleased with the way that they played defense in the passing attack. Like Mm-mm. that is that remains my big concern for them. This is not a good passing offense for for Tulane, but they were still mm-hmm. able to average, you know, uh, they they were they were in, in the plus category in, in EPA. Right. Um, you know what they threw for their quarterback threw for Michael Pratt threw for 234 yards and three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want them. By the way, did you see who got in for Tulane? No, Kai Horton. Oh, no kidding. Carthage. Yeah. How he got about in, that? Got in garbage time. I missed um, it. Anyway, I'm still, I remain concerned about SMU's passing defense. That yeah. is going to be the big question, in my opinion, going Especially into the this game upcoming this week. week. <laughs> it's Houston. Um, but that said, it doesn't matter when Tanner Mordecai is one of the best players in the country. Uh, and he's been one of the best players in the country. Uh, he was absolutely outstanding in this one. Three passing touchdowns, a rushing touchdown, three for 427 yards. He's been doing that every week. Mm-hmm. And if this were a right and just world, Tanner Mordecai would be in the Heisman conversation. But it's not because he plays at SMU. Yep. So uh, that's not fair. Uh, in any case, uh, he's been great. It doesn't really matter that their pass defense. It hasn't mattered yet. That I think their pass defense is only. Mm-hmm. We'll find out a lot more this week against Houston. That's a big. I think uh, is Craven going to be down there? I believe that's Does, correct. I think that's his game this week. Correct. What's next? Up next, this uh, this question isn't aging uh, super well. Is this actually actually, actually the question say, itself? I would say that it's aged exceptionally well. The question is: Is Tex is this Tech's last best chance to get bowl eligible? In case you uh, missed it or have been living under a rock for maybe the past uh, twenty four hours, one Tech flubbed it to Kansas State twenty five to twenty four, and now they don't have a head coach. Yeah, uh, Matt Wells was fired yesterday. Um, it's going to be Sonny Cumbie taking over on an interim basis the rest of the way. And yeah, it was the most the their last best chance. And most especially, this was a situation where they gave away a game to a team that they're better than. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably the last straw. You could make an argument that their two losses before that, right? They lost to Texas. Mm-hmm. Texas is pretty darn good, I would say. Yeah, and they were on the road that game. Right. Uh, the loss to TCU is not is aging like milk, but yes. um, that is those were games that you could at least squint and say, you know what, we got beat by TCU. Texas was just better than us. This is a game they gave away. 
Um, they were they were much better for long stretches of this game. But the bottom line is that the offense never developed any sort of real threat. The passing attack just really struggled uh, with uh, with Henry Columbia. They were able to run the ball a little bit. That was probably their best their best ever. But really, it was the defense that led the way, and the defense just couldn't um, couldn't hold up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So Matt Wells is out of a job. Um, the big question now for Tech. I think is what kind of program do you want to be? Because I think you look around at the way that the Big 12 is going right now, and obviously it's going to change significantly whenever Texas and OU leave and BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and Memphis? Is that right? No, who's the other one? Cincinnati. I'm I'm blanking on who is the fourth one. BYU. That's you already it. said that. BYU, Houston, Cincinnati. There's one more that I'm forgetting. Uh, when they join the conference. I'm obviously really excited about them joining the conference. UCF, yeah. UCF. There UCF. you go. Um, when they join the conference. Um, but there is an argument that, that, that ever since Mike Leach left, mm-hmm. they have just been trying to find the next Mike Leach. And they've yeah. been trying to run the air raid, right? Tommy Tuberville to a certain extent. Cliff Kingsbury most definitely and then Matt Wells again to a certain extent. Yeah, and it's, I don't know. I don't know if that's. I don't know if that's the way to go now. No, we want to be that change up, right? We always say if it if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But it's kind of like it. It is broke now. Like you, Look it is way that, time to right, fix it. It's like I think that the air raid, uh, like tech tech was because they had Mike Leach. They're in many ways an innovator, and mm-hmm. they were on the front the front edge of the air raid wave. Mm-hmm. But now the air raid wave has has washed over all of college football, and it's kind of receded. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what are you going to be now? And I think that was apparent. Not to draw a comparison to another Big Twelve bunkmate, but I think that was apparent with what ba- what, what Baylor did to replace mm-hmm. Matt Rule. They bring in defensive guy. They bring in a defensive guy. They bring in Dave Aranda, right? Um, how do you how do you how do you set yourself apart in this new look Big Twelve? Mm-hmm. An extremely important hire coming. It's like that's even you can compare that almost to what we saw with Gary Patterson earlier this year of mm-hmm. trying to run his same stuff that he's been doing, and it's like no, you have the star running back, just use that, like right. adjust to personnel. Right. Well, and have a defense. Anyway, that's <laughs> you know that always helps. <laughs> anyway, Tech's probably not going bowling, and as I mentioned yesterday, I think that they fired him now. So that he, he can't backdoor his way into a win, because there's a and there's still some sore feelings from Tech folks that Cliff Kingsbury was got, got they mm-hmm. held on to him too long. Um, I think they want to avoid that. So anyway, what's next? Pick? Up next was Texas State. Are you ready to, to declare Jake Spavadol's 2020-2021 recruiting plan a failure and another loss, 28 to 16 against Georgia State? And it, they just yes. It's it's a failure. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad, guys. And um, again, a big reason why, like they couldn't run the ball effectively at all. Um, Brady McBride is, I think, trying his best behind an offensive line that just is not good enough right now. Georgia State's a decent team, uh, but they were able to pretty much do whatever they wanted um, offensively. Uh, they ran up 503 yards of total offense. Um, don't be don't be skewed by the um, the numbers that that Texas State rang up 400 yards of total offense. I don't think the I don't think the offense was particularly good in this game. Um and yeah, I I I don't know. This this was this is pretty disappointing. Obviously, when you're minus 2 in the turnover margin, that's not going to help too. So, I don't know. I I think it's a failure and and Ishmael has brought up a good point last week and I'll I'll keep hammering it home. When you take that risk, and you go, we're going to go into the transfer portal and we're going to bring in all these guys and stuff like that. 
if it wins, then awesome. That can fuel your recruiting going forward. What if it loses? Mm-hmm. Don't you just have to do it again? Yep. And aren't you just stuck in a vicious cycle? Exactly that's where that's kind of the problem that they face now. You know that you've. We, I mean, we've heard from high school coaches like that didn't set well with them. No. So it's like that doesn't help his case at all either. Anyway, let's next pick. Who say it makes me sad? Hoot. Let's talk about How about that something that makes you happy? Is Rice's offense doomed in 2021, or can they dig out of a ditch? And how about that 30-24 to 24 conference win over uh, the Blazers out of UAB? Did you watch this game? I did not. I watched the first quarter of this game. UAB had a what would have been likely a game-winning touchdown mm-hmm. in, with like nine seconds left, called back. On what is a very good holding call, it was a holding okay, call. Okay, so yeah, it, it was. was a, it's a legit call. If you call, no. he's tackling him. It's it's a hold. Okay. I, I think even, even in the even for the people who are like, oh, they hold on every play. Like this was a hold. Mm-hmm. So they call it back, and Rice is able to hold on for a win. Uh, Rice did that thing again where they go and they win again. They shouldn't. Mm-hmm. On the road again, by the way, because they did that at Marshall last year. Yep, and Marshall was ranked top look, twenty-five. Now look. Maybe they found something because they went with Wiley Green in this game. And Wiley Green was pretty solid. Yeah. Wiley Green probably gave them their, like, outside of what happened against Texas Southern, Wiley Green gave them their best quarterback play of the year. He was very solid. And we mentioned yesterday August Petrie III had had a huge game. Uh, I thought Jake Bailey was really good in this game, too. Um, They were excellent. They were able to run the ball a little bit. Not super effectively, but they were able to, able to run the ball, you know, a little bit, and it worked. The defense made plays. The defense came up with, with big plays when it counted, and they come up with a big win. Well, Is it doomed? They're not going to be a top half of the of the conference offense. No, but they've but got if they can winnable just, games. If they can just be serviceable. They can That's be, what they were. They yeah. were a serviceable offense in this game, and look what happened. They go and they beat a team like UAB. I was going to say, if you look at the rest of their schedule, too, you can beat North Texas. Yes, you can. I think Charlotte could be beatable. Now, that's on the road, and that may, that's a long a tough, trip, yeah. and so that's a little tough. But if they play, I mean, UAB slaughtered North Texas, so, you know. And then La Tech has shown that they can be super vulnerable, too, and that's at home. So it's not out of the yeah, realm that they not. can get some it's not. wins. They can, if they can get that offense going, that's been their big problem. But, but yeah, maybe they found something in Wiley Green. Maybe something's finally clicked. What's next, Pickle? Sticking with Conference USA, let's think positive. What does North Texas do well right now? And they dropped okay. another one, 35-26. Okay. Okay. Yes. But <laughs> first half didn't look terrible for, for once. once. For once, they are... Okay. For once, they didn't just come out of the gates just st- stubbing their own toe. Mm-hmm. They jumped out to a lead, and there was a minute there where I was like, oh, they're going to do it. They're gonna screw around and beat Liberty. Mm-hmm. They didn't, um, because they didn't come out the second half. They only play one half. Yeah, it's a weird. Why can you only play one half? Even if it's behind in the second half or in front in the first half, they cannot put together a full game. No. Um, what What I think is interesting is that the offense put up some decent numbers. They put 463 yards of total offense, mm-hmm. but. They could not. What was their third? I would love to know what their third down conversion rate was because it wasn't good. No. Um, they were a team that they benefited by having a, uh, a, a some good starting field position. Mm-hmm. Their special teams was, you know, pretty decent in this game. 
and they they lived on a couple of explosive plays. Yep. I don't really know how they stayed in this game aside from like Malik Willis was like bad. Like I don't really know how they stayed in well, this game. Well, he was also out. He went yeah, out. He went out at like halfway through the game mm-hmm. and they brought in Jonathan Bennett and he led them to victory. Um this was a team that this felt like their last gasp. They the defense I think played probably its best game of the year. Um they were after uh, they were getting after it. Uh, they they sacked Malik Willis six times. I mean, they were all over him. They came up with big plays, but in the end, it just like the bottom fell out at some point. And 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 part of it is here's here's a big part of it. Part of it is, do you know how many plays? Um, let me make sure. Do you, so North Texas ran a hundred and four plays in this game. A hundred and four plays. Um, that works, but when you're only you know, moving the ball. They were in 93 plays from scrimmage. They were basically, but they, and yet they were, they gave up 5.5 yards per play to Liberty. The defense, the the defense ran out of gas despite not being on the field all that much. They started off hot, then they were able, they they weren't able to make a stop down the stretch. Yeah. And it's like that. It it was proof because I was, I was there for the second half of the game and it was proof that they just, that's a team that doesn't know how to win because that's the other thing. They're so used to playing down and trying to dig themselves out of a hole that when they had the lead and needed to go out there and just keep playing with what they were doing, they tried to start doing too much and it Mm -hmm. it got sloppy. Yeah. I I, I don't know. I like, they did not, I don't think they ran the ball particularly effectively in this game and, and that kind of hurt them, even though, you know, even though they ran for 251 yards, a lot of those were kind of on big chunk plays. I don't know. It was a it was a weird game that I mean, I think if it gives you confidence, it gives you confidence, but like, I don't know. I think that I, I think that this was a little bit more of like a bit of a dead cat bounce um, yeah. there for for North Texas. What's next, Pickle? Up next, we talked some Cougar football here. Has Houston quietly emerged as the best <laughs> college team in Texas? And they snuck one out over East Carolina. Um, I kind of told overtime. you guys that, that East Carolina is better than you think. Yeah, 31-24. Um, now, this is... Okay, I want to be clear. This is a weird game for a variety of different reasons. One of which is the game kicked off... The game was scheduled to kick off at 3. Mm-hmm. It didn't kick off till like 8.30. Yeah. Um, because there was big weather in the Houston area and they weren't able to get going. Um, I'm not here to tell... If you are... Look, they don't ask you how, they ask you how many, mm-hmm. right? Um, this was a gross game for Houston. This was a gross game for Houston, most especially the Houston offense. I thought they were ugh, really, really unfortunately bad in this game. Um, they did not... They You know, like, they did not pass the ball well this is a this was a big step backwards from from Clayton Toon part of it again weather and and stuff like that but they took a big step back Uh, he took five sacks Uh, but the thing that keeps coming up for them is they make big splash plays defensively Mm -hmm. um they 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 sacked that I think that six sacks they they had eight tackles for loss four sacks uh and then you know they forced five fumbles and they recovered three of them you know what I mean there was this is a sloppy game. This is an ugly game, but what did we say? Win your clunkers. Yep. This is a clunker. They did not look good in this game, but they came away with a win. Their defense kind of, kind of bailed them out here. Uh, the offense is going to need to be better against uh, against this uh, against SMU this week. Really, look, you, you get your win. You you don't apologize for it. But it was it was an ugly, ugly game. Uh, but yeah, win your clunkers, and they won their clunker. 
Especially in a game that, that got delayed by five hours. Yeah. What's next, Pickle? Um, up next, it was our small school game of the week between Tarleton and Midwestern State. We asked, what can we learn from this WAC versus LAC or LSC matchup? Um, Tarleton pulls one out 17-14 to 14 over the Stangs. Yeah, this was this was a super tight game. Yeah. Um, and in, in the end, um, you know, this game got real hairy um, because in the so in the fourth quarter, this game goes to the fourth quarter seven seven. Okay, Tarleton then goes and um, they score early in the fourth quarter, take a lead, uh, and then um, and by the way, Mill Max uh, Max Maxfield got got the touchdown uh, got the touchdown catch uh, the pride of Amarillo. And then they get a field goal with like 4:37 left, and you're like, oh, "Okay, well, you know, it's it's 17 to seven. This is an ugly game, but we're able to able to get a win." Um, instead, this game got very hairy down the stretch. That um, Midwestern State gets the ball down 10. They go down, and score in about a minute, and I believe they were. I believe they had the ball. Um, let me make sure of this. I'm fairly certain that they got the ball back. Yeah, with. Um, with about three seconds, or yeah, they got the they got the ball with three seconds left, and we're throwing into the end zone, um, and uh, it got intercepted. Basically, they were like, like give a lot of credit to Midwestern State. They were a home they were homecoming cannon fodder, and they were still they they gave them everything they wanted. Uh, of note, Tarleton did set an attendance record, so congratulations to them. They got a big win. You don't apologize for wins, but I think this this to me solidifies that Midwestern State may in fact be the favorite there in the Lone Star Conference. I think that's really impressive. And by the way, their next game for uh, for Tarleton, you probably better figure your stuff out because uh, Sam Houston is uh, is coming to town. <laughs> What's next, Pickle? Up next, let's talk about the Roadrunners. The question was: Sincere McCormick over under on 125 and a half rushing yards to preface the score 45 to 16 win over La Tech, and they're up to number th- 23 in the national range. Darn right, they're the number 23. Uh, Sincere McCormick. 113 yards. Ooh. Three. <laughs> you took under, I think. I did. Now he had three he had three touchdowns, but here's the thing. Uh he only carried the ball eight, uh, 18 times, which is and three light touchdowns. work light work yeah. for him, right? <laughs> I mean, he was he was spectacular. The whole team looked great. I mean, this was a real showcase there. I thought that they were, you know, pretty much very solid. Uh you can make a real argument that like the rushing game actually was not up to snuff. Uh, that they weren't, but basically, whenever you do that, like you're picking nets at that point. Mm-hmm. Frank Harris, I thought was really good, super sharp, 13 to 17, 194 yards and two touchdowns. Didn't take a sack. Um, this is a they four, they were plus two in the turnover margin. The defense was exceptional. Mm-hmm. Defense was awesome, especially the pass defense. Uh, I thought I thought they they made Austin Kendall look really really pedestrian in this game. Like again, the numbers don't tell you that because he threw right. for 322 yeah. yards but he got sacked six times he was on the run he was he was consistently under pressure mm-hmm. they were they were causing havoc they they impact they caused there's a, a, a rate called a called, uh, havoc plays mm-hmm. which is like tackle for loss or a sack or or, mm-hmm. or, or no gain or, or pass breakup things like that uh 23 percent of the defensive plays were havoc plays. yeah that's insane that's exceptional they were impacting the passing game in a major, major way. Um, and this, now they have a bye week before uh, before the biggest game, the biggest game ever, the biggest UTSA <laughs> UTEP game of all time. Yeah, it's even. I don't know if if uh, the viewers like saw, Craven. but it's uh, it's moved back to. Uh, they had to move back the time because it's on national TV. You can watch it on ESPN too. How about that? Hey, game day in El Paso. Game yeah. day. 
Go to El Paso, you see, cowards. Trust us. Go to L and J's. <laughs> next pickle. Up next, we are going to head over to some SEC play. A and M completely takes care of the Gamecocks, forty-four okay. to fourteen. And yeah. the question was, did you know that they have a traveling trophy? They did, because, and you know, uh, what? and it's never left A and M. And uh, we told you guys, we told you guys, that this we told is, you guys, yeah. you don't need to watch this game, no. and you didn't. You didn't. Um, this game. Here's the, here's, good on you, Texas Dana, for getting what you needed done. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> this game was not a 30-point game. This game was more like a 50-point game. I mean, they slaughtered. This game was, I think, 34-0 at halftime or something like that. I mean, this game was over, over, over uh, from the word go. Uh, they got a big game, uh, big game running the ball, um, which is nice to see. Um the, you know, Devonta Chan and, and Isaiah Spiller each go over 100 yards. I'm still a little concerned about Zach Calzado. But the defense the absolutely <laughs> smothered South Carolina. That's all that matters. What's next, Pickle? Up next, we head over to the Big 12. I think I'm about to sneeze. Here comes. <laughs> What's the key for TCU beating West Virginia on Saturday night? Yeah, sneeze. I was yeah. thinking about it. <laughs> is, this, is this TCU-West Virginia game making you sick? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, the key was don't let a mediocre offense body you. Uh, and then they gave up 400. Final score, 29-17 to 17 they West gave up, Virginia, by the way. And they gave up almost 500 yards total offense. It was just butt. The defense was horrifying. Garbage. The defense was horrifying. You know that Havoc that havoc play rate that we were talking about, about uh-huh. how you're like impacting the game in a major yeah, way? Yeah, they were like in the five. negatives. Do you, know, do you know how many Havoc plays they had? Hmm. Would you care to guess? Maybe two. One. One. I was going to give them the benefit one. of the doubt with two. They had one. I think they had one. They had one pass breakup. And like you're at they had home. One pass breakup. You welcome the in West Virginia to was the Carter. Miserable. How do you? Miserable. How do you do that? Uh, and and look, it's not like the you know the offense was. Offense, I think, did its part. They weren't able to run the ball as effectively as they wanted to. Uh, put a lot, and then they were chasing the game a lot, so it put Max Duggan in a bad situation. But that's 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 beside the point. The defense was miserable, mm-hmm. absolutely miserable. I'm I don't know I don't know. Yeah, I've got, I look. I'm not calling for Gary Patterson's job because then he'll just complain about me at, the, at a press conference. But like something's got to change. Something's got to change because their defense right now, and, and this is not an end all be all. Right, this is a bad stat. In fact, no. I'll I'll give you an advanced stat. Okay, as far as that EPA, expected points per play average, on defense, they rank 125th in the nation. 125th. The offense, pretty good. But the defense is 125th in the nation. And you look at, I mean, the remainder... Something's got to change. The remainder of the schedules, they're going to Kansas State, which is never a fun place to play at. You they got better stick and win that game. You got Baylor coming up, which... Feels like a loss. Feels like a loss. Oklahoma State... Feels like a loss. Feels like a loss. Kansas, you better, win that better pull that out because then you have Iowa State in Ames. I mean, five and seven is likely the most likely outcome. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if yeah. they win uh, anything other than that Kansas game, the way that they're playing right now. Disappointing. Disappointing. Is that it? That's it. All right. Sorry, I, I didn't get to bro. say that that was the last one because I was about to sneeze everywhere. Here's your college football work, bro. We're Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash Campbells, And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. Pickle. 
Derry Max and Dave Camel's Texas Football have teamed up this year to honor excellence in coaching and the hard work that assistant coaches put in on behalf of their teams. Each week, the Texas football staff nominates four deserving assistant coaches for the Derry Max Built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Week and let fans decide on the winner via Twitter poll. All leads up to the Derry Max Built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Year decided at season's end. Your week nine. Golly, I'm already on week ten. Your week nine, Derry Max Built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Week nominees. Austin LBJ, offensive coordinator Omasha, Omasha Bradley, Brantley, rather. The Jaguars rolled up more than 550 yards of total offense and scored touchdowns on their first 11 possessions in an 88 to 42 romp over land passes. Crosby, offensive coordinator Ron Frick, the Cougars could not be stopped on Friday night, ringing up 724 total yards and 69 points in an emphatic 69-28 win over Port Natchez Groves. San Antonio Veterans Memorial Office Coordinator Robert Irvin. It was an offensive masterpiece for the Patriots, who chalked up 748 yard, total yards in their 62-46 win over New Braunfels Canyon. And Ballinger Defensive Coordinator Marvin Wilson. The Bearcats allowed just a single first down and scored their second shutout of the season with a 61-0 win over Ingram Tom Moore. So those are your Week 9 Dairy Max, built by Chuckle Milk Assistant Coach of the Week nominees. Vote now on Twitter at DCTF. Pickle, let's go to the hotline, and let's bring in the play-by-play voice of the Texas Longhorns. You hear him on the horn in Austin every weekday, and you can also see him on High School Scoreboard Live at 11 o'clock Friday nights on Valley Sports Southwest. He's our good friend, Craig Way. Craig, how are you, my friend? I'm great. You doing okay? Yeah, we're doing great. Now, I have a, did you end up going to the Doobie Brothers? Did not. Uh, we had a few other things pop up that we had to take care of, but we did consider it and uh, and then decided, yeah, we better pass on this. All, part of it was we knew that this week and next week were really going to be grinds, mm-hmm. so uh, grinding week. So we figured we would catch up with the doobies at some point. That feels that feels pretty pretty safe. All right. So we are now into week 10 of the 2021 Texas high school football season. Down the stretch we come. Uh, and a lot of moving parts within districts as far as uh, getting getting things shaken up. Um, I'm interested in your take on what we saw, especially at the small school level, right? We, we saw uh, things like Cisco losing to Coleman. We saw Wellington take another loss. Uh, we, we saw Lubbock Roosevelt score the big win over Abernathy. And I think that what we're – I think the, the real kind of um, – the the link between all of those, between Clarendon, uh, between Coleman, and between Lubbock Roosevelt, is this feels like teams that we that had a shiny record, but we hadn't necessarily seen uh, them them play a tough a tough game. Then the tough game arrives, and they end up getting the win. I think Katie Pato beating Four Pin Hightower kind of falls into that category as well. Um, I guess my thought is this deep in the season, is it possible that there's still teams that we just we don't know how good they are? Uh, Santo? Yeah, Santo's Maybe. a good example. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and we'll find out more about them, right, against uh, uh, Albany this week. Mm-hmm. Because on paper, you have that shiny, uh, unbeaten versus unbeaten type of matchup. But the question is, who have you beaten? Uh, how, how did you look when you beat him? Not necessarily if it's lopsided or whatever. Uh, can you can you make that stand up? I, I was perusing district standings myself, and I noticed there there are a few matchups like that this week where you'd say, "Hey, that looks like that might be," and then you see what 
Jerry and the computer are saying about it. It was like, oh, and then you go and then you dig a little deeper and then you see the teams that have uh, that they, that one side is beaten as opposed to the other side. And you get a little more of a read, too, on some of that. And some of the schools you find out had had some injuries and stuff. Now, I will tell you this. There's some lower classification matchups where schools that had their noses bloodied a little bit now have kind of gotten off the canvas and are ready to go back to punch. I give you Thorndale versus Hearn this week. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Thorndale got stunned by Thrall, but that's the old Highway 79 rivalry uh, there. And and uh, Thorndale can still win the district if they beat Hearn, but that's not a given. And uh, Hearn had beaten Thrall earlier. So uh, there's a matchup, I think, of lower classification teams. To join. But uh, here's another one for you. I, uh, see if you agree with me on this. Teams with, uh, with good district records and we'll find out how good they are overall in 3a division two i think you've got four seven and one teams and a pair of hand-to-head matchups 11 3a d2 uh that you're going to have with wascom and elysian field mm-hmm. and then in 15 3a d2 with poth and natalia so we'll find out i think all four of those teams are seven and one all four of those teams are unbeaten in district play so this is a this is a prove-it week, I think, for a couple of those teams involved in those matchups. Oh, you, you mentioned, you know, Santo and Albany, and that's, that's one of five matchups of unbeatens here in Week 10. And, and I want to give you three of them, and I want to ask you the question that if I had told uh, young Craig Way 10 weeks ago that, um, that, these, that these two teams would be meeting in Week 10 and they would be undefeated, which one of them would shock you the most? Would it be... Jersey Village and Houston Stratford in maybe the biggest game at Tully Stadium in a decade. Would it be <laughs> Ennis and Roy City, or would it be Buta Johnson visiting Dripping Springs, both unbeaten? Um, probably the first one, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, down in these parts, there's a lot being made about you know the fast rise of Buta Johnson. I think folks thought the drip was going to be good, yeah. but to be unbeaten. I don't know. And that's that's the game that's going to draw the most attention down here this week uh, with apologies to Cedar Park and Pflugerville Weiss, which is a big game, no question. But uh, when you have two gleaming, unbeaten records going head-to-head with a district championship on the line, it's going to draw a little more attention, especially given the fast and rapid rise of Johnson. Uh, so that's, that's, that's going to, I think, take a lot of – uh, would draw a lot of attention this week in the greater Austin area is probably the matchup of the week. Talking with Craig Way, the Texas High School Football Hall of Famer here on Texas Football Today. Get involved in the conversation at hashtag TF Today. All right, Craig, I made I made a comment the other day, and 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 I I think I, I think people may be misreading it, and I want to get your take on it. I think Duncanville's a little bit underrated, and 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 I think that there have been a few things that have conspired against them. Uh, most notably that I think District 11 6A is a little bit down. And I think that that I, I think everybody knows the big game that they played, which was their opener against Modern Day, where they got taken to the woodshed. Um, but since then, they've been kind of doing that Duncanville thing. Um, is it possible that the, one of the teams that we presently have ranked number four in the state is somehow flying under the radar. And are there any other teams that you think have just been absolutely dominant that, that people maybe aren't paying enough attention to, uh, even though, hey, look, they're just abs- they're just cruising over people? Um, you know, it's funny. Normally when that happens, Tep, 
it's because a team took an early loss and we kind of set them aside and forget about them for a while. I'll give you another one. Lake Travis yes. is like that. Early loss, but they've been thumping people since that. And it was kind of that way with North Shore, I think. Now, clearly, we're going to find out an awful lot more this week with uh, with North Shore and Atascacita. Uh, but I, I am inclined to agree with you at Duncanville, and you know who else is going to agree with you? Jerry Forrest. He's got Duncanville at the top of his computer ranking. I saw that. He's got him ahead of South Lake Carroll and ahead of West Lake. So, uh, so I think Jerry would agree with you as well. And uh, I agree with you also that 11 days yet. Uh, so they've kind of flown under the radar, which is exactly the way Reggie Samples likes it. At least, at least is is in, in as much as you can fly under the radar when you're number four in the statewide ranking, one in the computer rankings. But folks aren't talking about it. kind of like we always say about Carthage every year. We got to forget about them until the playoffs because we know they're going to blow away this team and that team and this team and that team. And then, okay, you're still going to have to deal with them come playoff time. And you just don't talk about them that much. Well, here's a situation where folks are going to talk about Duncanville once it gets into the postseason, into what we have uh, chronicled, perhaps ad nauseum, that absolutely loaded Division One bracket. Now is the time of the program where we do mutually assured destruction, where uh, I give Craig an impossible question, and then on Thursday on the horn, he's going to ask me a similarly impossible question, and then we'll just shake hands at the end of it and, and, and wipe our bloodied noses. Um, Craig, I'm going to ask you which of the three, these three games you would teleport to if you could uh, this week in Week 10. Would you teleport to Houston to watch—it's a great week in Houston—to uh, watch North Shore and Atascacita? Would you— Let's say, would you go east to go to the aforementioned Wascom and Elysian Fields? Or would you go, I guess, ooh, I think this game is either, I think it's in Grandview. I think it's in Grandview. Grandview mm -hmm. taking on West. Which of those three games would you teleport to? It's going to be Grandview and West, and here's why. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we know what North Shore and Atascacita have. Mm -hmm. And I think we both know... They're going to be extremely difficult to, to beat come postseason. Um, that, that, that's, that's one. I think similarly about Wascom and Elysian Fields, I, 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 I feel really good about what Wascom's capable of doing. We'll, we'll know more certainly about the Yellow Jackets uh, when we get on into the playoffs. But West and Grandview is kind of a, a little bit fascinating to me because Grandview, by the way, Tep, falls into that under-the-radar category that mm -hmm. we were talking about. A team that took an earlier loss that folks said, yeah, they're a good team. We'll find out about them. But they're probably and, – and, and I think a lot of folks are uh, – and count myself among this – subconsciously guilty of looking at a team that is a perennial power that takes an early loss and, well, oh, I guess they must not be quite as good as they've been in past years and mm -hmm. kind of – shove them aside and not think about them as much. And I think the Duncanville thing, your example there, was a great example of it. I mentioned Lake Travis, and I think uh, Grandview falls into that same category. We know Grandview's good. How good is West? Mm -hmm. This is where we really find out rubber meat in the road. Yeah, I, I would I would uh, be there uh, ready to be astride the, uh, the uh, Johnson Hill County line and see uh, Grandview and West. He's Craig Way. He's a Texas High School Football Hall of Famer. You can hear him on the horn in Austin every weekday, and you can hear him on the call of Texas and Baylor coming up this Saturday, and 
on Bally Sports Southwest. Football, or rather on High School Scoreboard Live at 11 p.m. alongside Rick Renner and myself. Craig, appreciate your time, my friend, and I will see you on Friday. I leave you with this. How, how cool is it that Pickle can go out and do her yeoman's work and does a great job like she did in Wimberley last week and like she will do this week in San Antonio and then turn it into a Lano County weekend, you know, and, <laughs> and head home and hang with the fam. Listen, isn't, that, isn't that some kind of niceness? Yeah. Look, it she's, sure all is. All I will tell you, Craig, she's got a very good agent. Very good agent. <laughs> yeah. Somehow that worked out. That's good stuff. <laughs> Thanks, Craig. Talk to you soon, pal. You bet. See y'all. There he goes. Craig Way, the Texas High School Football Hall of Famer, joins us every Tuesday here on Texas Football Today. And, <clears throat> yeah, um, I think he's exactly right about Grandview and West. And, and maybe that's the part of the season that we're in mm-hmm. of we're approaching the playoffs. And so we've got some um, – we've got there are teams that have taken losses that we have some questions about. Mm-hmm. But just, you know, Grandview and West is one of those kind of measuring stick games for West that, like, if they go beat Grandview and that game is – where is that game? That game is but at it's, it's at Grandview. Yeah, they go to Grandview and beat them. I mean, we start really having big time, big high level conversations about where they they fit in the three division one pecking order. Oh yeah, and that's kind of one of those like we were talking about like the big names that you just kind of put aside like for so many years. That's been Grandview, and then mm-hmm. obviously Dane Yinch left, and so they kind of uh, died down a little bit. But then it's like yeah, West kind of came out of nowhere. So that's yeah. that'll be a good one. Should be a good one. Anyway, we appreciate Craig White hopping on with us. We're Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. You can like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. Pickle, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. And from now on, are proud to team up this year to honor one head football coach in each classification with the Coach of the Week Award. Each coach recognized with this special honor typifies the best in Texas high school football. Your Week 9, from now on, Coaches of the Week in 6A, Joe, Joel Call from Converse Judson. Interim head coach Joel Call, <clears throat> in his first game leading the Rockets after being named interim head coach on Sunday, got an inspired effort from his team Friday night as Judson went on the road and stunned state-ranked and unbeaten Smithson Valley, 33-32. In 5A, Joe Frank Martinez from Austin Travis. After battling through a ton of adversity in September that had the football season in doubt for the Rebels, Coach Martinez's squad has persevered and put themselves in the playoffs for the first time since 2013 with a thrilling 44-40 win over Austin Crockett. In 4A, Spencer Gilbert from Dallas Carter. Coach Gilbert has the Cowboys firing on all cylinders at 6-1 this season with a key 21-10 win over Wilmer Hutchins to take control of the District 8-4A Division I race. In 3A, Rodney Dowell from Van Vleck. Coach Dowell and the Leopards are in the middle of the District 14-3A Division II hunt, improving to 5-3 on the season and 3-0 in district play with a convincing 49-27 win over Tidehaven. In 2A, Clint Conklin from Clarendon. Coach Conklin's Broncos improved to 7-1 the year and put themselves in the driver's seat for a district title with a 21-21 over state-ranked Wellington. In 1A, John Staniland from Turkey Valley. In a critical District 1-1A Division I showdown, Staniland's Cowboys held their nerve in a wild back-and-forth affair to take down Happy 70-68, capturing the district title. And the private school ranks Larry Uland from Wiley Prep. In one of the most anticipated matchups in the private school six-man football this season, legendary coach Uland pushed all the right buttons to push his Patriots over previously unbeaten Lantana Harvest Christian, 80-78. to So those are your Week 9 from now on Coaches of the Week. Congratulations to all the coaches, and thank you for everything you do for your, for your players, schools, and communities. For more information on how your school can get a one-stop shop experience that transforms how it connects with fans and communities, 
Visit from-now-on.com. Clint Conklin from, from Clarendon is quite the uh, the tongue twister there. That's a lot. That's why they pay me the big bucks to stumble over my words. That's what I was say, yeah. I say, yeah. How Good on you. Right. <laughs> Pickle, one last thing to do. It's time to roll out the DCTF Top 10 Plays of the Week. A reminder that if you see a play that is worthy of being uh, one of the Top 10 Plays of the Week brought to you by our friends at Body Armor, then please let us know about it. Hashtag DCTF Top 10. Tweet them to it. Uh, uh, put them on Instagram. Pickle sifts through them. Uh, gets all the, all the juicy nuggets. And puts them all together into a Top 10 uh, mm-hmm. presented by our friends at Body Armor. Here it is. The Dave Campbell's Text Football Top 10 Plays of the Week presented by Body Armor. 10 now for the Falcons. Estes breaking through and has the first down, keeps on going. Will score, touchdown. 66 yards for Estes. Second half. Damla heaves one to the far side and caught. And into the end zone. What a play. Caught on the far side by Nicely done. That's number 10 on the far side. Crosses the 40 midfield. Look out. One man to beat. And he is gone. Four-man rush. Dumas throws high, but it's caught. Top 10 plays of the week. That last play 
is um is that's the Taft Greyhounds mm-hmm. uh, bringing in an, an interception there, and and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be entirely honest. Okay, so this was sent to us by David McHugh, uh, who is a uh, the defensive coordinator there at Taft. He was the one who, by the way, was running along the sideline with uh-huh. him. Yeah, that's David McHugh, <laughs> great speed coach. I I watched that play, and part of it was I was watching on my phone. Uh huh. I watched that play like six or seven times, and I couldn't figure out what happened. Happened. Yep. I was watching it because it's slight. That's if like slide of the eye. <laughs> it is. He goes up there and he jumps, and he basically like swats down at the ball, and is able to and like corrals it back here. Yeah, it's like it he is, went to hit it down, and then realized, oh shoot, I've got a handle on this. It's one of the silliest interceptions I've ever yeah. seen. Like I don't. That's physics defying stuff. Well, and then on top of that, then he was able to run it all the way back. Yes, like that would have been too. cool if he if he Caught got it, it and down. then it's like, okay, and oh, I I'm gonna yes. secure it. Like he automatically no. turned and started just gunning it down the sideline. That side was a line. ludicrous play. Yeah, and the the le- it was really hard to choose between that one and the unbelievable hurdle yeah. because the hurdle the he went over two guys. He went over mm-hmm. the defender and his own guy. <laughs> plays are getting good, guys. Remember, send us your plays at hashtag DCTF top ten. Let's go over to Ashley Pickle for America's second favorite segment. Final thoughts for Bo on this bad boy. I was going to say, do you have any any inspiring words to get the people we need? It's provocative. It gets the people going for for QPR. Big day for QPR. I'm probably going to come in here very sad tomorrow when they lose (laughs) 2-1 at Sunderland at home. Uh, Big game. Fourth round of the EFL Cup. Need your sports on ESPN Plus at 145. Come on, you ours. Oh, ESPN Plus. There you go. Oh, yeah. We're watching on the big screen. Mm, we don't have to. We don't have to hook up your phone to the tiny TV to be able to Do watch it have... this time. Oh yeah, no, trust me, guys. That's usually how we team, walk. Rooting for a team in the championship is a lesson in sadness. Uh, yeah. It really is. Um, we may have some beverages here too. We do. It's good for us. Thanks for spending a little Beer bit of time <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. Thanks again to the Hall of Famer, Craig White, for being our guest. For Ashley Pickle, I'm Greg Tepper. Vince Young, please meet your Player of the Year trophy. We'll see you tomorrow for Ashley Pickle's birthday show on Texas Football Today. It's not my birthday.